and episode two of the revival of Don't Mess with the Metro officially underway. A couple guys had to take the night off, unfortunately. Uh, We'll probably get into that a little bit later. Got some great content for all you guys. Um, I know COVID's starting to go on the uprise, which means that our hot takes are probably going to go on the uprise as well. And we'll start it off. uh, Say hello, Caps specialist Ian. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Our other hot take specialist, Andy. Good evening. And uh, finally back after, I'll let him break the news himself, our uh, CBJ rep, Eric. Oh yeah, we, uh, we're we moving out in the new apartment. Got it all settled in, basically. Gonna be another week till we start sleeping here, but everything's starting to come together. Still in uh, like the Columbus area? and Yeah, yeah, just like uh, suburbs of it. Not, not too shabby, not too shabby. Um, so why does he have his life in order a lot more than I do right now? <laughs> hey, if, if this is just life in order, uh, I, I definitely don't have it. I just got an apartment. That's about it. <laughs> Everything else basically up in the air. So, You know, I c- got to admit, I wish that I kind of had the type of apartment set up that you had. Um, I oh, currently have never in a million years what I thought this like six months ago, but living. Ian, I know you're kind of still stuck up in cold land. USA. Not exactly stuck. I chose to come back here, but it's been more. It's been more of the same. It's more of the same. I just had my third test in three days today, so there's that. Uh, I can still run. Those two are really all I need in my life right now. As long as I have the running, that's really what matters most. I gotta gotta give you something there. I mean, everybody has no one thing. I know Andy needs to SpongeBob, but... Well, that's certainly been the... uh focal point of my Saturdays. I've been turning that into a drinking game. And uh, <laughs> whenever it's on, I laugh and drink and try and forget the fact that I can't leave. <laughs> Quite a game. So far, I've been winning. <laughs> uh, speaking of drinking, uh, just throwing this out there. 60 days from yesterday, that would be March 31st, I'm going to not have alcohol touch my lips. You guys are going to hold me accountable to it. All right. Gotcha. happening touch your lips so you're just gonna completely go like full chug it i mean if you if he waterfalls i, I don't know about that no waterfalling we, we doing no on the waterfalling yeah I'm gonna need probably no not applause in that. But, I don't know, there's a lot of risk of uh lip touching there I mean, so. we'll, we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes <laughs> you know we're one day through got 59 to go and then uh, uh get, can, get we, can we bite. place bets <laughs> Yeah, let's start. Cool. I uh, um, I have nothing to bet on, so uh, I really want to bet on something. I'm going, I'm going 45 days. I I think 45 days the limit. All right, 45 days. I'm gonna take 30. I would say once like Ooh. May hits, I'm thinking as soon as May, because especially Cinco de Mayo, if things get like somewhat back to order and it hits that like you're not gonna be able to celebrate both St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I celebrate one of the two. So. Oh, true. If the bars all reopen up, too, within the 60 days. Exactly. That's the other thing, also. Is this going to be at the time of uh, Memorial Day? Oh, shit. I didn't think yeah, this Yeah, there we go. I don't Should know if I lower put... the stakes. Should have just done 50 days. Cause that I don't know if I'd won't... put that much trust in a society to have it be done soon enough. So I'm going to be I'm gonna be bored and say I think he makes it. Ooh. So we got somebody we on like my side We like the confidence, right though. We like the confidence, though. You cannot do the impossible unless you dream of yourself doing the impossible, gentlemen. There's Ian's life lesson of the week right there. <laughs> From the man who's going to run a sub-four-minute mile. Remember this. Mm, there we go. More like, more like sub... T- let's start at sub-24-8K. Mile's a bit short. <laughs> yeah, the mile's like four laps too much for me right now, so... <laughs> yeah. I, someone, <laughs> someone brought up running a mile in, like, middle and high school, and I automatically was triggered by, like, PTSD flashbacks. Like, I could just imagine, like, a younger version of myself running, and in the background you hear uh, Fortunate Son start playing. Like, this is fine. <laughs> Eric, what was your mile time? Ooh, I don't know about my mile time. I think it was I think it was around, like, 7.30. Was, wasn't too hot, but... uh. It was still decent. I mean, I, I've been uh, running since my uh, foot surgery. I had foot surgery in December 2018. I haven't really, really done anything from that because I got basically screws of plates in my foot. haven't really able to do anything. But I started running again. I uh, lost some weight, and it feels a lot better. Like, I'm getting there. I want to be able to play, like, an adult league this, this summer. I mean, hopefully once everything reopens. Knock on wood there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I hope so. 
my best mile time is from two years ago. So, oh, what, what was it like a four fifteen? Four twenty nine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I that's like my. I couldn't I could do four twenty today. So, blaze it. I know you guys weren't going to say it. I had to say four fifteen might. Four fifteen would probably depend on. I would probably depend on the day, but happy day one of four twenty. Stuck in quarantine. That is true. Uh, Gianni, I know if we mentioned Gianni, will be on a little bit later. Uh, we'll kind of start it off since we're going to kind of focus a little bit on the Metro this episode. I guess a good way to put this would be if they were to have the full playoff scenario and every Metro team was to be in it, say like a 2014 playoff, every Metro team is in it, what would be every team's weakness? Uh, we'll start We'll start at the top of the division. We'll start with the Caps. Um, I think we'll go over to Ian. I know I know you got uh, some hot takes. What's the Cavs' biggest weakness, in your opinion? Uh, defense and inconsistent goaltending. Eric, what do you got? Consistency is key. I mean, just being able to have the next man up scenario and hopefully everybody's healthy, just for everyone to mesh and be consistent all at once is going to be the biggest thing, I think. Every team's going to be healthy pretty much. So it, it's going to be, if the playoffs do end up starting or there's a plan or anything, it's going to be exciting as hell to watch. Yeah, I'm hoping that there is some sort of one-game play-in. Like, you weren't going to be in the playoffs anyway. One game is fair. To or a Memorial Cup round-robin type thing that, that right. they could do. That would be kind of cool. That yeah, would definitely be something. Uh, Andy, here we go. What, what do we got for the Caps? Well, for them, I would say their biggest weakness would be not giving up five goals in a game to the same player. Yeah. Personally, I mean, typically, you don't tend to win those games. That, that's a start. Yeah, that's a start. That, um, probably bank on the fact that they'd really need to shore up consistency get uh, their defense rolling and make sure their youth are like ready to run because it seemed like towards the end they were looking really tired out there the last couple of games before this whole thing happened so they need to make sure that they get rest during this time i don't know if it's tired or just not trying enough with i got you know, a, I got the a amount of talent we have on the roster so yes eric uh, you like Hopi? You think you guys should re-sign Hopi or uh, Samsonov? Sam, well, Hopi's gone. You think? In UFA? For sure? Now, yeah. where does he go? Yeah. Who needs a goalie? Who the needs a goalie? Carolina. Who needs, who needs a goalie and who's going to, like, throw, like, 10, or, like, 10 or 10 and a half million a year on him? I think Toronto will. in mind. Because I feel like he's going to ask for he's going to ask for Bob money. That's why, that's why I'm saying he's not coming back. But the Bob experiment isn't really working out for Florida at that ten and a half million with the above three goals against a game. Honestly, the team I could see him going to, Buffalo. Hmm. They got to feel like management up there has to feel the uh, pressure on them, so they got to do something. They're going to try and throw money, get something to just make a run, and. They're going to do what Florida did this year, try and go after the big-name goaltender. Buffalo was insane the first 30 games this year. Carter Hutton, insane. And then, you know, Buffalo. So they just decided <laughs> to suck. Literally, same as the year before. Oh, yeah. That's been a recurring trend for them. Wasting Jack Eichel's Jeff Skinner just forgot how to play hockey. That's yeah, the big he one. Got paid. He got that payday, and he was done. Jeff Skinner, got, Jeff Skinner got the money and said, screw it, we done. If I'm getting fully guaranteed money, but I have to be playing, it's like staying in Buffalo, do you think you're going to be motivated? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I'm looking at the standings right now. And based on, Eric, I was looking, thinking about your round robin thing. So if you had, because if there were 32, then you could have like 17 play 32 in a one game kind of thing. Or do like round robin for like the lower teams. Yeah. Um, for anybody who's not in the top 16, I guess, because technically there are 16 teams in the playoffs. So you figure 16 is the cutoff. I'm not just saying it because the Rangers are at 16. If you were to have that, how would you kind of structure it? I know I'm breaking apart from it a little bit, but I kind of like that idea. Uh, I'm looking at the settings right now, too. I mean, uh, the Red Wings are the only team that's eliminated, right? Like, officially, mathematically, the Wings are the only team eliminated. So that gives us 30 teams to to play with, basically. Uh, if you want to, like, say the season's complete. I don't know, obviously, how they're going to do it. But, I mean, you just you just have to go by seeding, basically. Like, one through eight 
and just play just basically play in uh your top three in the metro like the atlantic pacific and uh central you know all those teams are are in based on uh points percentage i think we should go up based off points percentage even if the playoffs like resume or anything like that uh it would put columbus out of the playoffs obviously but i think that's the most logical thing they should go off of for the round robin stuff if it's about to happen i mean I don't know. You'd, you'd probably just have to do seeding, like one one plays eight, two plays seven, everything like that, basically until you get to the final final rounds. I can see that. I did see a couple of things though. I mean, besides Detroit being the only one eliminated, they said like there was a gap, a sizable gap from twenty fifth to twenty fourth that they would just do the top twenty four teams basically. So, if that's the case, then they could still roll with the idea of like 24 teams and then have it shake out to like the first, I think I saw a projection that 24 through um, Shit. 17 would play like, so, or no 24 to something higher would play nine. Like one game to, nine. Yeah, to nine. That's what it was. We'll play a one game. Then from there they'd go um, winner would take on like one through eight in a three game. And then from there would go to a five game and then the cup to a seven game. I so was... like trickled it that way, but other than that, I mean, I feel like that could work. I don't know because the only other thing I can think of now at this point would be where they would put it because they would have to put it at some neutral site and have everyone like the neutral site would have to be big enough so that they wouldn't all be in the same area at the same time. But I don't know. It's just it would be a mess trying to get it straightened. Yeah, out. the hardest thing for all this is basically if they do a top twenty-four, it's gonna it's not gonna be like. Uh, uneven match of East and West teams, basically. So it's going to be really hard for scheduling, I think. So, I mean, they're probably going to have to do some with East and West format just because of the simple fact of traveling. Right. Because traveling from the West Coast from the East Coast is, you know, a three-hour time difference every other day. Like, even every other two days, that's still a lot. It'll be exciting to see, that's for sure. I was going to touch up on Andy kind of said it for me. I like the... Nine versus 24 preliminary round, but it's 12 each from both conferences. You do like a best of three, what they did in the, like the, seven, the late 70s. And it's like from there, you have eight on each side of the bar. And maybe you cut the first round of five if you're cramming for time and do like two, three to limit travel. Uh, Spin Checklets was uh, talking about this last week. Probably second round, you go back to seven games unless you're truly trying to squeeze in it all in so and even for seven games you could do two three two if you're short on time definitely all good ideas for that second shockingly the philadelphia flyers now i know gabe is not here normally he'd have some jerking off to do about carter hart or anybody at this point is probably the greatest player of all time in typical philly style and uh since andy's closest to philly let's, let's hear what he's got to say Honestly, it's a good. The Flyers should be happy that they had it end where it ended, because this way they can't just get completely embarrassed in the playoffs as they always have since 1975. This is a franchise <laughs> that has developed goaltenders, and all of a sudden they've either gone whenever they have a, a starting goaltender, they go through one of three things: either they flame out and become garbage, they become injury prone and become garbage, or they get traded before they're any good, and they wind up becoming really good when they get traded. That can be seen in the case of Bobrovsky. As soon as they trade him, balls out. They get Steve Mason. He gets, he becomes garbage. They pay all this money to uh, Briz. He becomes garbage. They had uh, Emery, Trash. They had like a whole litany of goaltenders that have gone through that system, and they just don't flame out. That's one of the things that... The Flyers will always have, and I can't see Carter Hart. He doesn't, like, spark anything different than uh, past goaltenders. He's not like a Mackenzie Blackwood or uh, Samsonov or even Sororkin or obviously Shesty. He just, Carter Hart just seems like a regular run-of-the-mill goaltender that's playing in a good system for him. Eventually, that I'd, system's going to break. I agree and, with that, too. Yeah. Carter Hart is not like a, a Carter Hart is not worth the hype in my opinion uh, compared to all these other dudes. Exactly. He's a system goalie. Yeah. <laughs> Word to uh, Uncle Daddy. 
So, Eric, what are your thoughts uh, on Andy leaving your uh, your boy Elvis out of that list? Ooh, Elvis. Uh, Elvis. Elvis has been absolutely insane. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, uh, the dude came over from Luguano and Lapia, and he's just been playing lights out. I mean, he let in seven goals his first game against the Penguins away. Uh, one of the first games of the season, never played an NHL game before. Like, what can you really expect from a guy like that in that situation? But uh, when Corpusalo, when Corpusalo went down injured, he stepped up and hasn't looked back. I mean, he, he's absolutely incredible. I'm mean, just watching him in person is is crazy. I honestly haven't seen a goalie move that quickly laterally with that good a lateral movement in a really long time. He he rivals a young Bob, like a 2014 Vezina Bob. It's absolutely crazy. And um, touch upon that also, or even talk about a little bit more of Philly too. Where, what's your stance? Because you were the one who brought up goalies initially, and that seems to be kind of the recurring trend <laughs> for teams' weaknesses. Well, from from the times I've watched Philly play, they seem to, like Eric say, they like they buy into the system super well. They have the ability to score. Their depth players have had like some pretty great years. From what I've seen from them, I think like they've done most of the heavy lifting, and like Eric's got a good point. Goaltending and a little bit of defense has the potential to be hit or miss. So a lot of it is a question of which kinds of players will show up if if there are any playoffs. So, That's but also it's, a good but, like, point. Things are lo- things are looking good in their favor unless they resume play and they lose their touch. That is actually a good point, though. One one other thing I wanted to touch on the fact that Philly went from having like I mean before they had like a well-rounded team and everything but they did have struggles defensively now they have struggles defense or they corrected their defense but their top performers aren't exactly the ones that are in the top line like you don't hear Giroux, Voracek and all those names like really doing as great it's more depth has been really carrying them down the stretch and for anyone that has watched like especially the playoffs the last couple of years the teams that go on the runs from the metro are the ones who have their top scorers scoring when they need to. I mean, last year we saw Columbus was able to have um, Duchesne and Panarin put up great um, games against Tampa. We saw a couple of years ago when the uh, Penguins and Caps had won their cups. It was Sid, Malkin, Backstrom, Ovechkin putting up those high-scoring games. Kuznetsov. Exactly, yeah, Kuzi. We had, like, a whole litany. I mean, even when the Rangers went... On their cup runs, it was the big names that were scoring for them when they needed to. They got the like the goal every now and then from Richards. They would get a goal from uh, Stepan and Broussard, St. Louis. Even Nash would come in. Like You'd have those big names. You need those to score. So whenever the Flyers, as of recent, like, yeah, they had depth scoring, but you can't rely on Derek Grant and Kevin Hayes to do your uh, most of your scoring when... You have your best players really going ghost. Well, it's not that they rely on depth scoring necessarily. It's more so that like past Stanley Cup winners have depth scoring, and then their best players play up to their expectations. Like if you can like roll the Caps, four the Caps, lines, pretty much you can like be the, a good playoff team. Basically, yeah, it's like the right. Caps run was a combination yeah. of Ovi scoring like goals in most of it, and were what were arguably big dash clutch moments because that's off racking up point totals. Devontae smith Pelly scoring three goals in the Stanley Cup final, which is like one less than what Sidney Crosby has had in his total finals career. So it's uh, it's pretty good. So that kind of segues us right into the Pens too, who's three points back of Pitt right now. 69 games played. Nice. Just wanted to throw that out there. So again, Going back, we talked about it last episode, too. The Matt Murray situation. Headed back to Andy again. I figure he got the ball rolling on the last one. What are your thoughts on their weaknesses and where do they stand? I'm going to go with, obviously, injuries have hit the injuries have hit them hard. I mean, not having Gensel and having uh, a couple of other like star players going down. But not really their star players, more like their depth went down. And But they're still a team that's been able throughout – for how many long they've been able to just roll out some random dude from the minors. I remember a tweet that someone said, like, it would be some random name, and you'd look up their stat because they were playing alongside Malkin or Sid, and they have, like, 49 points. It's, like, unreal. 
But yeah, basically they're a team that they can rattle off random players, but their problems definitely lie on the back end. I mean, they've paid so much on their blue line that's not exactly the best. And their goaltending, yeah, Matt Murray is definitely not what people had sworn he was. I mean, after 2017, they made the conscious decision to run with him instead of their first overall pick and proven talent in Marc-Andre Fleury. And now have been rightfully ridiculed because that did not pan out for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I studied even when Fleury got uh, drafted in the expansion draft to Vegas. Matt Murray is not not like a 60, 55, 60 game starting goalie. He's, he's not taking your whole caseload. He's going to have to be a dude who splits it with somebody or anything. And again, on the Penn's defense, uh, where the hell did John Marino come from? I mean, that's that's just insanity. Same with them and all the injuries. I mean, it, it's crazy how much they've had to overcome with Gensel going down and still being able to be third in the Metro uh, with uh, 196 goals against. I mean, it, it's really crazy with all the injuries and the lack of depth on defense they had. They had Jack Johnson on their, their first-line defense with Tang at one point, I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah, I'm, the Pens are playing... Playing pretty good hockey this year, despite everything they've had to overcome. Almost every team is, in the Metro at least. I think touching on Andy's point with uh, goaltenders, I do personally, a little bit off topic, but I do think Flurry benefited from a slight change of scenery just because the past, like, just because, like, the past couple of years, he sort of had his high moments and then, like, some of his low moments and then sort of, like, losing the starting job a couple times. Could have done that to him despite still getting two cups out of it, making for a quite a nice uh, one-two punch in the goalie tandem. But yeah, referring to Eric's point, uh, everybody has said how much they've kind of exceeded their expectations given their injuries. And uh, it makes me look like a fool for uh, tweeting at the beginning of the year that they were going to miss the playoffs. So... <laughs> Who says uh, they won't? Or, it is true. Technically, they may not make that, it out of that, that is, first round. That is, that is correct. That is correct. So, uh, but, no, but, but much like what Andy has said about, like, they just pull dudes out of the minors, they just pair them with their first sign, they just, like, whip up goals, left points, and totals left and right. Uh, that's why I, that's that's why to this day I still see the joke on my timeline. It's like, new player comes up, and then I see a tweet saying, this dude is going to score the game-winning goal in Game 7 overtime against the Caps. Which would be a funny joke, which would be a lot funnier or funny at all if we, you know, didn't win the most recent meeting. So, case in point. But a lot of that is Mike Sullivan. What he's done a phenomenal job at buying players into the system, no matter who they they may be. And Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin obviously have a large role in that. They always always playing up to the level of their talent and expectations is why you sadly can never count them out. So speaking of teams that we couldn't really count out, Carolina. In my opinion, the most odd case of a team on the bubble that isn't really a contender, but is buying to be a contender, but have so many holes, but enough depth to get them there. Again, to me, they're a weird case. I don't know what it is about that team. Um, the Brady Shea trade, the fact the Rangers got a first rounder out of them. Again, I thought Brady Shea is wasn't as bad as he showed. Um, I think he's more of a product of Lindy Ruff being a failure of a defensive coach, um, really kind of tanking, and Gorton sold high while he could. But, um, I mean, any of you guys have any thoughts on that or just Carolina in general? Again, another goalie situation, too. Well, I think it's really, I think based off of last year's playoff run, it's really easy to sort of think of them as a weird bubble team because, you might have the, you might be thinking that's like okay, they've been on a run recently with this group of guys. They can totally do it again. But at the same time, you're also doubting yourself as to it's like, well, is that a fluke? Or it's like, can they really do it again? It's like I don't know. Exactly. So, it's just, it's, it doesn't look like something that was repeatable what they did last year. I can I think of it like the Ottawa situation when they were a game away from going to the Cup final. Pretty much, and like and kind of same how like much like to Ottawa, how like Carolina could have like lost at like various points, although that was mostly although they could have lost at mostly just 
one point. Other times they either swept the series or got swept. So very true. But, Eric, what do you got for uh, Carolina? Just a weird case of they got a fortune cookie out of a Chinese restaurant at the start of the year, and it said "Go all out." Even though uh, you only have 75% of the team, uh, keep buying people. So, I mean, it, it's it's kind of weird. It, it's I think it took a lot of luck for, of, for them last year to get through to the conference final, at least. I mean, no doubt, very good team. Very, very well coached by Rod Brindamore. I don't think you can deny that. And especially with Sebast- the uprise of uh, Sebastian Ajo. Second round pick in 2015 draft, just killing it. I think he has 36 and 37 goals so far. Uh, then you got Tara Vining down there, Warren Fogle. Um, they have a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent up there for depth wise in uh, in the Ford group, and same on defense. But their goalie is the biggest hole. I mean, Petr Mrazek and who else do they have? Uh, it's not Mekalani, is it? It's not David Ayers either. <laughs> Scott <laughs> Foster will still be better. Is uh, Reimer? Yeah, Optimus Rhyme. Oh, Reimer. Damn, that dude's been Florida, Toronto, everywhere. Cannot find anything. I don't know. I just I just don't see them being consistent enough in goal to be able to go far. I mean, I, I still think Holby would be a great offseason acquisition for them, even though, I mean, at a $10 million price range, I would love to see them do that because I think that would financially cripple them in salary cap, and that's great for the Jackets. I was going to say I would hate that move and it would be really painful on the inside, but if they really like spend $10 million per on him, then please do. Please do. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, honestly, just the, the Hurricanes are just an odd case of basically good coaching, a uh, good core group, and just a little bit of luck, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their numbers right now. I'm sorry, to Andy, to kind of cut off before you were talking. They have three guys at 60 points plus right now, and Ajo, Teravainen, and Svech. Then there's a gap, and I'm just talking forwards for now, to Martin Neckes, who's at 36. And then Fogel is at 30. That is where that team is right now in terms of scoring. How many guys do they have above 20? Above 20 in general? Yeah. Uh, that's 14 in total. That's pretty good. Having, having over, uh, basically two thirds of your dudes getting over 20 points with about well, 70 games played. Isn't bad, but I mean, they, they, I, they well, still this, that's also including middle depth. That's including Halla and Walmart though. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. So again, take that with the grand as you will. So, yeah. But still, I mean, they still play two thirds of the season and I'm pretty sure these point totals are for when they were on that team. So they still had over 20 before they departed. So decent, for sure. So Andy, where does that leave you then? Sorry to cut you off. You're good. Um, yeah, I would basically say, honestly, they're a team that I've never understood them, like how they do what they do, because their last, now, yeah, their last four playoff appearances they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals at least in all four of them because they made two Stanley Cup trips. One, they won the Cup, and then the other times they made it to the um, Eastern Conference Finals and then last year, Eastern Conference Finals. But that was also the only four times they made the playoffs since 2002. So they're a team that you can never really, like, get a good grip on because the same way you guys said, like, they have some really high-scoring talent at the top. And then they have nothing. It's a huge wasteland in between there. Their defense, yeah, they shored it up with um, getting Vatanen and Shea. But at the same time, their goaltending, that when they have now Mrazek and uh, and Reimer are both, were, yeah, they were both injured right at the deadline. Why didn't they go out and get Laner? Why didn't they get, go out and try and grab a goaltender that was on the market? Like, if they really wanted to make a push, they just, they, I feel like they make moves, and on the one hand, they're trying to be like, trying to make a move, but they're still trying to be like a little conservative with it. So it just feels like it, it's not going to pan out in the end. I don't know. They just, uh, they're one of the teams that they can, like I said before, I'll say it again, they cannot rely on being able to have opposing AHL Zamboni driver suit up for them. Like they have to realize. They gotta use non-legends every now and then. 
That is true. I mean, I'm also, I don't want to be, because we pretty much covered Carolina, I don't want to push it too, too much. But can we confidently say that they have two of the probably best D-men? And again, plus minus isn't a great stat, but Dougie Hamilton and Jacob Slavin are both plus 30 on the year. Dougie's got 40 points in 47 games. Slavin's got 36 in 68. And they're both a plus 30. To put it into perspective, next highest D-man with points is Gardner at 24, and he's a dash 24. So, I mean, can we can you say that confidently that between Dougie and Slavin, if you compare them together, are they the best D-pair in the Metro? And is that enough to be able to put a decent enough goaltender in there to be able to get the job done, assuming they can play 25 minutes a night. Again, just 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 throwing something out there, just throwing a bone. Question is, because right before the deadline, Dougie got hurt. So when he comes back, is he going to be able to put up those top-line minutes for a demon? Like 20, oh, his, 25, 30 his minutes a leg. game, especially in the playoff. Exactly. Isn't it's he all, out that for the oh, season, though? Is he out for the playoffs. season? Well, we're, we're assuming that everybody can get healthy for the playoffs here, right? Oh, yeah, okay. so, I mean, he would probably return. If, the, if Carolina made it and the playoffs happen June, August, June, July, August-ish, somewhere around there, uh, I mean, he might be back, I think. I think that's the Brown's projected timeline. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you all know my thoughts. Jones and Wawrinski are the best deep pair in the NA, in the, uh, I, well, I don't know about NHL, but in the Metro, I think so. But... Dougie, Dougie and Slavin, I, I still don't have high regard for Dougie, but I I think Slavin is insane. So that kind of segues right into uh, the next team right on the list, which is CVJ. And uh, I know, I know, Eric, you probably have some thoughts. Uh, a little bit in-depth, what are your weaknesses, and can this team make a run and win the Cup in a 2014 playoff? 2020. Uh... I mean, we, weaknesses are—I I wouldn't say depth is a weakness at this point anymore just because we've shown how many people can step up and play and how many people we still have in the AHL. It's kind of ridiculous and how much depth we have on defense. Like, we have 12 NHL-caliber D-men. We had Adam Clendenning step in and play second-line D-pair roles last playoffs, and he, he was fine. He was good. So, I mean, I don't think depth's an issue. I think it's, it's going to be more of a consistency thing. And an injury thing because you know Jones went down, Wierenski went down, Corpusalo, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Merzlikens went down at the end of the uh, before the break a little bit. Uh, Atkinson, uh, Felina, li- almost everyone on our team has been injured except I think it's Dubois, Savard, and uh, one more player. But other than those two or three, uh, no one else has been healthy the whole season. So I think. I don't think this is the year for them to completely make a run. I think it'll take at least, uh, I think, two or three years out from being uh, a for sure Stanley Cup playoff can go in and problem, can be a contender team. But we're for sure getting there, especially with the young talent that they have and they've developed. Honestly, if you uh, scoop made it in, the playoffs happen, you played us in the first round. Uh, I'm not trying to knock on my own team, but based on how you've done against us, uh, we're three and zero this year. You would have a, you'd have a, uh, no three zero and one. Three zero and one. Okay, yeah. I was. I forgot yeah, I was we at, played you like right before the break, but uh, right after. Right after. Okay. Yeah, I was. Our our former usher uh, put me on the glass for that game since there was an open seat. Heck yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I uh, bounced back and forth between there. Uh, one of my mutuals uh, bachelorette party in the suite and then uh, <laughs> back down. And I also ran into like 10 people. I also ran into like six other people I knew at the game that day. So like that was a wild, that was a wild night. The Capitol Pale Ale uh, tasted pretty good that night as well. Like, you know, it was my, you know, my first couple games, my first couple games uh, as, as 21. So for uh, sure, yeah, it sounds like a good time. What are your? Uh, I'm I'm a veer a little off topic. Do any of you guys have like a, a favorite moment from uh, a game you guys been to? Mine's for sure got to be the playoffs uh, last year beating Tampa. Like all time? Yeah, like all time favorite moment being game there at a sports. The entirety of Game Six versus Tampa Bay in 2018. That was 
unreal. I was actually at the game when uh, Merrick Malik scored that shootout winner in the 15-round <laughs> shootout. So uh, I was at, my dad didn't want to stay. This was back in 06. I still have the ticket stub from it, and it turns out he, uh, he had to work. Um, at, he had to leave our house in Connecticut at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's already 10 o'clock, and he had to drive me back home because uh, he works 5 to 5. So he wanted to shoot right out as soon as, like, overtime. I'm like, oh, I want to stay for the shootout. Sure enough, we stayed. He's like, if this keeps going, going any longer, we're just going to have to leave. Sure enough, we kept waiting. We kept waiting. He got into it a little bit, a little bit more. I think this is the first year the shootout was implemented back in 05, yes. 06, too. Right. And yeah, uh, as, soon as, yeah, as soon as Malik scored, the arena went nuts. He grabbed me by the arm and was like, all right, let's go. And we bolted out of there. But uh, by far, definitely one of the probably the best hockey game and i'm i had quite a few others that uh were up there but like college and others we can touch on favorite moments later andy do you have any words on cbj um i think as far as cbj is concerned i would say they were definitely a team that i honestly was surprised the fact that they were able to make the run that they did like i thought they lost so much after the uh end of the season in free agency and so much. And then when they were like hanging there at the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good team. They might have their stuff together. And then all the injuries started mounting. So like if things had, if we didn't have this break, I feel like they would have been one of the teams that would have fell out. But they, like if we do resume play, they're going to be a team that once everyone gets healthy, they're going to be really lethal. So I feel like they're well-rounded. They have the, the high scoring from the top, the depth that they need, goaltending, they could be a dangerous team, all things considered. Or they could just, you never know, like if everyone gets healthy, they could be rusty. They're a team that like is really hard to decide for whether they're going to flame out quick or if they don't go out quick, they're going to go on a run. I can definitely agree with that. Again, uh, moving on to the next team on the list, the New York Islanders, sitting at... 80 points in 68 games. Technically two in hand. Don't know how that's going to play out, but where are they at? All right, well, um, for them, I'm going to go ahead and say they didn't win a game since the uh, trade deadline, right? Just want to make sure I have that stat correct because I'm pretty sure they haven't won a game since the trade deadline. Like, they went, they only had two wins before that in, like, their life. Because someone had posted that, that was, like, they went 2-8-2 and two at, over some stretch of time. They were definitely a team that did, did fell off quick. They were supposed to be a top-three team in the uh, conference. Or in the, um, yeah, the conference. They were, like, top three in the Metro at one point, And I think top five in the, in the, entire, uh, in the entire league. But they just fell off quick and hilariously. Because now, it's, I mean, they went out, traded for Peugeot, gave a lot for a guy who's only put up more than 40 points, like, once in his career, being this year. They now have, like, their goaltending's not really doing too hot ever since they let Laner go. They seem like they're just not really, their defense looks shaky. Even their depth isn't really doing too hot. You can only do so much with Matt Barzal, and I don't know. I don't see them doing too hot. And Andy, you were right about that stat, by the way. Uh, no wins since the All-Star break three overtime games. So, like I said, I just don't see them going on a run. And I, I honestly, it would be like if the season did, if things didn't happen, they probably would have fell out. They easily would have fell out of the uh, playoff picture. And, I mean, as of now, they're out of it. They're technically in it if we go to a, a percentage point. But, like, it's just, yeah, I don't see them doing anything. You know, it's like for as good of a coach uh, Trotz is, it's like there's only he, there's only so much he can do for them behind the bench before the players have to get the results on the ice. So exactly, yeah, a lot of it holds high on Lou. Matt Barzal, uh, I, uh, I mean, he, he's he's really good, but he, he's basically their only offensive, I mean, firepower you could say even. Like uh, being able to like skate like that, and he, he can't really do much. I'm pretty sure uh, during their uh, the, during the losing streak, uh, I'm pretty sure he's benched in the third period for one of those games. Pretty sure Trotz bench, benched him for being lazy, and that's just not going to cut it for being your star player and one of the only dudes who can put points on the boards 
uh, points on the board and uh, losing Laner again. Also, also huge, huge blow for them. The goal Tony hasn't been awful this year, but it certainly hasn't been the greatest it's ever been. Uh, especially when, when Laner uh, even came back on the block for the trade deadline. I, I thought the Islanders might have been one of those teams that would have gone after him. It, it's really the Islanders thing to lose. Like uh, y'all said, they're in by points percentage right now, but they've been an awful team so far. I see. Uh, before, after the All-Star break, and it just, I, I don't see him going anywhere. I still don't know why they didn't pay Leonard. I don't know if it was like a money thing or whatnot, but it's just like the guy was like one of your better players on the lights team. out for him. Literally, yeah, exactly. literally. Yeah. yeah, he got one of the. Uh, did you guys see he got a Long Island tattoo on his neck? Oh yeah, yeah. It was actually really cool. I'm 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 generally surprised if if he like had that commitment to the team if he might come back because they could for sure use him. That's for sure. I think I think whether if he came back or not, like it was still like. He probably still holds it as a special play in his heart, place in his heart. Oh, for sure, because I mean, like he, do, and he doesn't have he doesn't have to resign to in order to have that feeling necessarily. So, well, his story, yeah. like the fact that he was struggling with uh, addiction and stuff before he went there with alcoholism, he goes to the island and gets his life in order. Like, I, I mean, I literally have the yeah. utmost respect for the guy because that's straight badass. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the fact that he didn't stay there when I like first saw that, I thought, all right, well, maybe Toronto or maybe um, Chicago wants to make a run, and then when they weren't doing good, they decided to trade at the deadline. He doesn't go back to the island. It was just really perplexing, like you said. Like, yeah, it's just they don't make a lot of sense sometimes. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, looking at their point totals, their top three, technically a tie for third, are Barzal, 16-68, and all of them have played every single game this year. So, health hasn't really been a true issue for him, besides Sezikis and Komarov, um, being playing only 48 each. Uh, Barzal at 60, Nelson at 54, Andersley and Bailey at 43 apiece, and then I guess rounding out the top five, just because, is Eberle at 40. seems like the scoring is distributed pretty evenly where does this put that team and can their scoring push them over the hump i don't know if it makes up for their defensive struggles particularly in the playoffs i don't see it personally i don't see it yeah because they go up against a good goaltender that's like red hot they can't score over exactly scoring is just not it, it's just not a not a huge thing. I mean, Trotz is a great coach, but there's only so much you can do with limited weapons, like Ian was saying. I mean, it's it's just a matter of not having the stuff to do, and I just don't think they do. I mean, nobody can deny they're not a bad team, but they're certainly not a team that can that can do anything this year. At least, I, I think they're at least a couple pieces away from being able to make a run or anything close to it, honestly. Then heading on to the next team, it's the New York Rangers playing 70 games. I guess, uh, Ian, we'll start with you since, you know, you're at the top and you could see down pretty easily. What are your thoughts? Uh, where are the Rangers headed right now? And can this team make a run? Um, are, you guys, are you guys in fifth or sixth? Uh, no, we're seventh. Seventh? Seven. Oh, okay. That's, I didn't think you were that deep. That's why it seems odd that you were mentioning them that late. So... I think at this point, not like this year, but I think you guys, I think you guys like have your offense intact, and then I think your defense is uh, starting to like. I think has the ability to round its form in sooner rather than later, and then we get to goaltending. For as good as Hank, for as good as King Hank is, <clears throat> there's only so much he has left in the tank. And personally, I think unless you guys are serious contenders within like the next like year two it might it might be it could be time to move on if he's like starting to fall off the ladder due to due to age so maybe not for maybe not for this year but like your the pieces are the pieces are starting to come in place a little bit eric what about you uh touching on the whole lot thing i i i agree with that i think unless the rangers gonna be like one or two years away from select being like being completely solid and being able to make a cup run for sure i don't see him staying i mean honestly uh if he doesn't want to play anymore i could see him retiring taking a limited uh office rule to get his get the name on a cup something like that you know but uh i mean 
Uh, the Rangers, I I said at the start of the year, I think I think they uh, they're a really good team, really good young talented team that has a lot of pieces, and I think it's going to take a little while to develop, but two to three years down the road, they're going to be a powerhouse in the league. I think, especially with uh, with their goaltending, if they keep Georgiev or not, they're going to have Shesty uh, Shesty in the net for a long time. I think, and then you speak the about Russian goalies keep pumping out. And you speak about Rangers goaltending, that leads us right up to the man himself. Andy, what do you have to say? Well, I'm pretty pissed off with the Rangers for making the season look really fun and then this whole thing happening. Because for a good chunk of it, I thought, all right, this is going to be a rebuild. And really, at, like right after the New Year's, when they went to Western Canada and got zero points out of that trip, I thought, all right, this is over. Who the hell are we going to sell the deadline? And that was Weren't they saying at- it? They were saying at the beginning of the year that your rebuild was over. What are you talking about? Or that, or are those people just straight up wrong? I don't think it was us. I think it was a certain other team uh, in the Hudson area, but we'll talk on them in a little bit. <laughs> Rangers <laughs> fans are all a little bit delusional, so we just got to take that into account, you know? Beef. Beef. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as if we're all delusional here. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. I, I am a Columbus fan. But yeah, after that, it was um, once we got red hot, I felt like, that's pretty. This is going to be a run, and really, it was because of the fact that Chesty has been has stepped up. And I mean, I'm a huge Lundqvist fan. He's always going to be my favorite goal, my favorite goaltender. Um, and he's like going to go down once he retires as the greatest goaltender in Rangers history. But as of now, I definitely think the future has been Chesty ever since he was balling out in uh, the KHL. Like he's definitely been the vision for this long of a time. That's why players like Talbot came and went, Ranta came and went, and uh, Georgiev, I think, is one of those that we can definitely trade to get pieces for. Like, I can see the Rangers not, like, keeping him just off the fact that, yeah, we can keep Hank next year when his contract's up, maybe sign him to a one-year deal just as a backup because he can still win a cup. He might run like win the cup the same way that uh, Hasek won his um, second cup where he was just a backup to um, Osgood. And honestly, just that's how, if that's how he gets his cup, then that's fine. But it'd be best if he wins it. He would definitely rather win it in New York. So the, the Rangers are still a bit of a ways out. Definitely want to see them go on a run, but I definitely think that, if we do wind up like staying put and uh, like not making the playoffs this year when they resume or not going far, and then next year it's going to be like a premier team because now everyone is stepping up and it looks like once we have all of our prospects going through, it's really going to be really going to be something special. I think Hank would benefit a lot from a uh, limited role necessarily have like have the right amount, nothing like too bulky from like his prime days or having to carry the team on his back excessively a lot, but sort of just the right amount, just the right amount where he can like give an action show flashes of what he's still got and sort of show that like he's show that he's still contributing. So exactly. And the one thing that everybody's really forgetting about is that the Rangers have two goalies in the system. As of right now, mm-hmm. we have Tyler wall and um, uh, he's had a UMass Lowell. And the other one is, um, Adam Huska, she's uh, just came out of UConn. Trading Georgie is not something that's out of the question. I could definitely see you guys trading, trading him. I mean, I I think the Rangers at this point would rather trade for actual players instead of pro- prospects or picks. Uh, so I mean, Georgia Chesterkin, however the heck you pronounce it, I don't even know. Georgiev, Georgiev, I think. And uh, and Hank, I mean, it's it's a good trio to have, but I mean, you can always get rid of one of them, especially if Hank wants to keep playing. That definitely gives gives the door open to trade uh, Georgie. I know if GRGF gets traded, uh, Andy is going to uh, have a field day on his timeline. So. Oh yeah, all the uh, simpletons <laughs> on trade that like uh, Lund Swiss and all those other degenerates um, going to be King, bl- King bl- of Neff. King of nothing, that that Exactly. Very true. And finally, we have the New Jersey Devils Gianni list right now, so we don't have to hear any bullshit spewing out of his mouth on 
other excuses for why this team is failing after getting another number one pick. They're what six two and two have? in their last ten. Don't don't give him any ammo. <laughs> don't give him any ammo. You know, Eric, well, just for that, you're going first. What do you have to what do you have to say? <laughs> All right. So uh, the Devils, you know, everyone knows they suck. There, there's pretty much no other silver lining to them. I mean, they're still rocking at that 68 point mark, 11 points behind the Rangers, but. Negative forty-one goal differential. Oof. I mean, at least they're not as bad as the Wings, right? Negative one twenty-two. But the Devils definitely need need a little bit of help, especially with the fact that you know they got Jack Hughes. Hasn't been that great. It's been great for sure, but not not to the expectations of a number one overall pick. They probably got the last five years the two worst number one overall picks. I'd say. I don't know. They're they're missing. They're missing almost everything. Uh, except goaltending, I think I think Blackwood is is really really solid, especially if he can progress in the later years and just get more comfortable in that. As uh, Matt said last episode when he was here, like Mackenzie Blackwood is definitely the uh, future. Johnny uh, talked about how like their defense isn't necessarily like old, super older, like super young. So I was saying how it's like kind of tough to evaluate that and also sort of thinking about what the right balance is for whether it's like adding a forward or defenseman or whoever the heck you might want to might want in the backup role or whatnot. Uh, like I said, forwards is probably like the same thing. So I don't think there, I personally can't think of like a whole lot to think of on them in the future. Uh, I personally think they might need some like, <clears throat> You know, they already have, like, some young talent. They might want to start trying to bank in on free agent signings and hope that they don't uh, sort of have a bad first year like P.K. Subban has or whatnot. Uh, Andy, let's – I want to get your cameras out, get your your pagers, whatever you want to (laughs) record on. You can even record on a pager. Walkmans, you name it. I want to hear this one. This is this is what the people paid their money, their free money to hear. Honestly, it's funny that you bring out like so many outdated pieces of technology because that's what this franchise is. Outdated. <laughs> Look at all the moves they made this past year, this past offseason that apparently were supposed to put them over the top. Yeah, they went out and got the first overall pick and they got uh, Jack Hughes. Problem is, they can't like they they're struggling to develop the kid. They're throwing him in bad situations and. It's not on him. It's more the fact that their coaching has really not done well with dra- with uh, development. I mean, the same can be said for many of their other former uh, top picks. I mean, Pavel Zaka. They had uh, the one that was um, Mato's son. They've had like so many players that have come through. I mean, they have to hope that Ty Smith where- works out. Otherwise, it's going to be a long litany of first-rounders that just combusted. So, yeah, they are definitely um, definitely not looking too hot there. Um, they did go and get uh, Nikita Gustav, who was supposed to be their Russian answer for uh, Artemi Panarin. But, you know, it's kind of like getting the, I don't know, like the Walmart brand Artemi Panarin because it was just not at all what they were expecting. 44 and, and 66 is what he has right now. Exactly. You multiply that by two, and that's Artemi Panarin. They got the watered-down lemonade version of a regular version of lemonade. Like, <laughs> just sad. Poverty level. Then, to top this all off, yeah, the Rangers did not do too hot with getting a defensive player in um, Jacob Truba. I'll admit that that has not panned out so well. But even the Devils were like, nope, we're going to top you there. They go out and get P.K. Subban and throw him into situations that he is not doing too hot in. Like, he is looking terrible out there. Honestly, I feel bad for the guy because he was uh, the face of Montreal and, like, one of the best defense defensemen in, hockey, in uh, hockey. Goes from there down to Nashville, takes him to the cup, gets them, like, two straight division, uh, champ- division titles, and... Now he's just struggling on a defense where it's either too young or too old surrounding him, and now he's, as a result, getting exposed. It's just, it's not panning out. Age is starting to hit him, 
So things aren't looking too good on that end. They made all these moves, and obviously we all know like they traded right before um, the end of the year. I think in December they traded Taylor Hall because they knew, yeah, we're not going to re-sign him. So they, he was their marquee big name, their MVP. They to where did he, where, to where did he get traded though? I believe uh, the Sun Belt. He went to a team that actually has a fan base. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, are there any Devils fans in here? Oh, no, that's right. Certain <laughs> ones just decide not to show up, like your average Devils game that is not against the Rangers or Flyers. So, that being said, yeah, it's. I just don't see them. Like, even if they try and go out and sign big name free agents, they're going to have the money coming up to, pay, to have to sign Nico Fischer, who's one of their few bright spots. He did take a step up, but he's, once his payday comes, he's going to demand good money. They're going to have to pay for eventually the um, services of Mackenzie Blackwood. They're going to have to pay to keep their defense, to keep their depth, like how whatever they can do, they're going to have to pay for it. And how they're supposed to balance this when they've had so many strung along first overall picks. Yeah, we can all trash the, um, the Edmonton Oilers, but somehow they pulled out a generational talent out of all those picks. None of these guys look anywhere near either McDavid or Drysdale and the one that was closest to them, Hall, is gone. Definitely true. Um, again, I think this pretty much wraps up our Metro talk. Um, maybe next episode we can try and do like an overview, just like of each division, heading in, uh, what teams are strong, what teams are weak. But um, besides that, uh, heading on to our new segment of uh, Andy's life lesson of the week. Uh, what do you got for us? What what should we be taking to heart over this next week and implementing to our lives? Well, fellas, um, gentlemen, if I've told you anything, it's this. If you're going to go plan a date during this quarantining fiasco, you may be inclined to say, all right, what's the one thing that you can do while social distancing? You can still meet up in person and go on a walk, keeping it six feet apart, but still go on a walk. The only issue is make sure that if you plan said walk, it doesn't rain that day. Otherwise, you look stupid. I'm not saying this from personal experience necessarily as much as a friend I know may or may not look really stupid. So moral of the story, make sure it's not raining and you're good to go. That one resonates with me. I don't know why it does. Just definitely, definitely does. I feel like Eric's sitting over there. like he's He took notes. I saw him with a notepad out. Yeah, shoot, man. You know what? Got a whole book here for it. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Andy's Life Lesson <laughs> Notebook. And, uh, Volume 1. Well, yeah. Um, now that we're kind of heading off, anybody have any good TV shows? Quick little synopsis that they recommend for any of our uh, listeners and what they should binge while uh, in quarantine for now, potentially up to the next month. Uh, start off, Ian, what do you got? Well, uh, I'm probably going to be super unoriginal here and uh, go with uh, game replays because I feel like in my spare time outside of doing work, running, and reading has been, I've watched some replays. I, uh, what did I do? I watched the, the Duke-Kentucky game, Elite Eight from 1992, and Christian Leitner hit the shot. I watched the Caps-Pens game six from 2018. This weekend I'm gonna. This weekend I'm gonna watch uh, games six and seven against Tampa. It's gonna be fun because I just have a good feeling we're not gonna give up a goal in any of those games. You know, Eric, what about you? I have uh, officially finished all eight seasons of House. Awesome show. I, I suggest that to anybody. Uh, also Love great around this time. Yeah, House, house is the man. You know, uh, fantastic show show uh, so much depth i mean plus in these times you you need basically everything you can get everybody has so much time on your hand i definitely give that a watch also gotta go with the classic south park you can never go wrong yeah. with south park one of my favorite tv shows of all time one of the best ones uh and that's about it uh, that's all i've been, really been watching how about you andy honestly one thing though before i top, touch on my uh, show I want to see South Park's episode on this whole quarantine thing. Like, that's going to be one hell of a story arc. Oh, oh next, it'll, it'll next come, season. It'll come. Next season, I think the whole season's going to be about it. I really hope so. Oh, my God, yeah. That's where I wish insane. that was in the spring. 
Like, imagine if this whole season was in the spring and they were just all, like, stuck at home and this was all, like, one long FaceTime for them. Just, <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that would be an awesome show, like, awesome arc. But, yeah, um, as far as my show is concerned, uh, one show I would definitely recommend to people, if, they have, if you guys have uh, YouTube, um, I think it's free on YouTube. If not, just uh, you can go to YouTube uh, Red or YouTube Premium now, I think it's called, Cobra Kai. Basically, if you've watched the um, Karate Kid movies, this continues on like 34 years after the famous fight between uh, Daniel LaRusso and of um, Miyagi-Do Karate and uh, Johnny Lawrence of Cobra Kai. Basically, it takes a scene from, or it takes uh, this follows the life of Johnny 34 years later, where he's completely fallen off from being the uh, best karate master or best karate student in the whole uh, valley area and he winds up uh reopening a dojo uh, calling it cobra kai because of the fact they see the kid getting picked on the same way he used to pick on uh daniel so he winds up taking that kid under his wing training a couple of other kids getting them to like stand up for themselves and everything but at the same time daniel sees this as only seeing the fact that cobra kai's back he's like oh hell no i'm not gonna have the uh, same people that bullied me as a kid come into this uh, into the um, valley again and you basically have like a whole bunch of stories between their kids um, getting into all these scraps and like having all all sorts of stuff go down it's just it's honestly an amazing show brings back a lot of the um, like it's just I mean it's hysterical but at the same time it's action-packed some great 80s music in it it's it's just badass me personally i've been getting into ozark i don't know if you guys have heard of it on yes. netflix that one's pretty good um kind of about a guy who gets into a bad situation mm-hmm. in terms of money laundering for a cartel but has his family involved now it's it's pretty wild there's no real way to describe it um first episode's kind of slow set in the scene a little bit um like in terms of the whole episode, but the begin like the opening scene is just pretty pretty wild. And if you pay attention at the beginning, it gives four pictures and like a cross, and it t- kind of tells you what's going to go on in the episode. And you could try to relate those pictures to how things go along. Uh, highly recommend that one. Other than that, uh, I've really just been sitting down, obviously working from home and just reading up, kind of prepping for grad school. Uh, opened up my old five steps to a five stats book to try and refresh, making sure that I got all that stuff down pat. If the uh, Michael Jordan documentary is being released on April nineteenth for any of our for any of our listeners who are big shooty hoop fans, so you will want to check. You'll probably check that one out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think this I wraps hot, up. Oh, oh, what do you got? I have a hot take. Jimmy Howard gets too much disrespect. You put that man in Osgood's position in front of the Redwings team from the 2000s. Everybody loves him. Man's gets man's gets too much hate. I'm gonna just say that. You know, I uh, that is. I, I don't think that's a hot take. That's a great take. That, that is yeah. a great take. Right His there. underlying numbers for the Wings this year are still really really good, even though you know. His stats are terrible, There's obviously because he's on the wings. But he's been a very solid goalie this year, I'd say. I personally have I personally have always liked him since day one. I'm not I'm not out here to say that I've been like a huge stan, but like I've I've always liked him since day one from from his play. So, uh, also, did you guys did you guys all uh, did you guys also want to uh, touch up on any like favorite games you've been to? Because we initially started that and then I cut you off so we could finish one segment. That is that's exactly where I was going to go. I don't think we got Andy's. Um, honestly, guys. Being that I live so far away from the garden, I got a favorite game that I was going to go to. Um, I was, I had, well, I have tickets for the game uh, this uh, coming Saturday that was on schedule, the regular season finale between the Rangers and Blackhawks. So, in the case that this whole thing doesn't happen, I would have been sitting right there, ready to watch the uh, Rangers possibly clinch a playoff game on game 82 or pinch the clinch the playoffs on game 82 of the season. But so much for that. Well, any uh, Hershey Bears games you got or um as far as Hershey Bear games, I'd say probably Calder Cup playoffs, I think the uh, Eastern Conference Finals game 1 where it was uh between the 
Bears and Toronto Marlies, and it was mainly like what the Maple Leafs are now, but just the minor league version of them because they had, uh, I think, Sparks was in that. Um, definitely Nylander and Marner and Kapanen were, I think, the three top scorers for them. But the Bears shot him down. Somehow, Justin Peters was insanely good. But, yeah, it, it was definitely definitely a wild time. The legend right. himself. Yeah. Summer, yeah. Summer of 2016. What a time to be alive. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about how awful that second weekend in June was. So, yeah. Calder, Calder Cup playoffs in the AHL are... Are really awesome games to go to. I went. I went when the uh, ja- uh, the Jackets of Monst- the Monsters. Uh, yeah, the Cleveland Cleveland Monsters. Uh, Lake used to be Lake Erie. Uh, when they uh, when they won the Calder Cup, uh, Bjorkstrand. I was I was like four rows up from the glass on the side. Bjorkstrand scored scored in OT. Crowd went nuts. It, it was crazy. It was great game. Good to see. A lot of the players like Bjorkstrand, Wawrenski, a lot of the young guys who were on that team are now in the jackets. So it it was AHL games are fun for sure. At least at least Wawrenski got a Calder Cup out of that. So hopefully not the only thing he'll win in his career. I would not I would, I would not oppose. Where do you go to not school? Opposed. I should tell you all. I should tell you all, all right. you need to know. <laughs> Uh, we're not. We're not going to. Too late, Eric. You already, say gave, you, already, you already gave your optimistic. So we're not going to say it. <laughs> well, uh, fellas, I think this wraps it up officially. Now, um, solid episode again, listeners. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, anybody have any last words for our great fans? Um, I hope everyone's doing okay during quarantine and not dying. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, good way to put it. God bless the hospital workers and grocery uh, and grocery workers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my mom's actually working tomorrow. Uh, her hospital got turned into an entire COVID uh, unit, and she's stuck in there. So I'll be locking myself in the basement for a while. Stuck in my parents' basement at almost 24. You know, one year ago, I'm called a bum. This year, I'm saving the world. <laughs> well, uh, fellas, I think this is uh, pretty much it. And... Until next episode, thanks for tuning in. You're welcome. Have a wonderful night. There you go. Stall for you. Take care. Stall for you.